we're in a, um, in a series called The List. And um, the, the thing about the list is that if, you know, if God could create a list of things that we could do to, you know, at the end of it, go, man, you know what, I, I, I'm, I've become like Christ. Wouldn't that be cool if he had just kind of a thing, you know, add to this, 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 this. And, that, and that's what he did. He created this list out of Second Peter uh, chapter uh, uh, 3. Uh, no, one, verses three through 11. And uh, what we've been talking about is that um, it, the whole point is to participate in the divine nature. Like we want to, um, it's not just about kind of living life, okay? And, and so this verse that keeps coming up and we talk about is this one right here. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, if you have the list and these things are increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's this idea that life is more than coping, okay? That life isn't just kind of, can I just get through my job? Can I get through my uh, uh, marriage? Can I just, oh, if once I retire, everything will it'll be great. Life is more than just coping. That we are to participate in the divine nature. And Christ modeled this for us. And we have this life of, of, uh, uh, of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like those are the things that are supposed to mark our life. It's not just coping. And so we went through the list, and uh, the first one was goodness. And we talked about how being obedient matters. And uh, so, so Christ was obedient unto death, right? And so this idea of the list you know, we talked a little bit, is, is Christianity just a bunch of do's and don'ts? Well, yeah, to some extent it is. Being obedient does matter. God has given us the standard by which to live. And then we went from there to knowledge, and we talked about how um, uh, we want to know Christ. Knowledge is not just a bu- getting a bunch of information, memorizing scripture, memorizing scripture. We want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And then we went from there to self-control. And we talked about how self-control isn't just kind of working out every day and kind of getting a routine or a regimen, okay? Self-control is literally being controlled by Christ. And, and so when, when God begins to move in your heart through a relationship with Christ, you, you, we begin to just kind of submit our lives to him, okay? And then that takes an everyday thing. So the next thing on the list is perseverance, and then in that one, we talked about the fact that there's no shortcut to becoming like Christ. You know, it's this day-to-day thing. It's this kind of growing, just like you would as a, as a kid. And then from there, we talked about godliness. And in godliness, we talked about the fact that uh, godliness is having the mind of Christ. That, that we look at every situation. We, we, we believe that all our decisions have an eternal value to them. And that we begin to look at life not as just a victim of our circumstances, but that God is actually moving, that these things count for eternity. And so we talked about godliness having the mind of Christ. And then last week we, ta- uh, last week we talked about brotherly kindness. And what we did is we went into Jesus' foot washing, and Jesus asked the question, do you see what I've done for you? You see what I did? And he's, it's like, I'm the rabbi. He reminds him, you, you call me Lord and teacher. And, and yes, I am. But, but what I've done for you, now go do for each other. And so we had this whole thing we were talking about last week about serving one another. How do we serve one another? And what does it look like to wash each other's feet now? You know, back then it was an actual thing that happened every day. What does it look like for us now? You know, so this morning we're going to talk about uh, love. So this list has gone all the way kind of around the horn. I had that graphic up there. We've gone all the way around that. The very top is love. 
And let, let me just set up kind of where we are right now. Um, we're, we're talking about um, kind of Jesus' last week of, of being uh, alive. And so we, we had that triumphal entry. That was in John chapter 12. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. Essentially what happened was Jesus comes in on a, on a colt and they're throwing palm branches down and taking off their jackets. And we don't have time to go into what all that meant, but it was very significant. Um, and they're calling him king. They're saying, Hosanna, God, you know, he, this, is, this is it. He's going to take uh, control. He's going to be our king. And now Rome will be gone and everything will be great. And everyone's, yay, yay. So you take all that momentum and all that excitement and all that kind of pomp and circumstance. And there's a really great story in, in John chapter 12, which goes over the triumphal entry. You should read it this week. Uh, where the, the Pharisees are just beside themselves. Beside themselves and he, he, they say this, they're saying to each other, you're doing no good at all. Like, look at this. The whole world's going to follow him. You know, and, and, and so you kind of picture him like, oh, you know, like these like baby Pharisees. And they're all upset. And Jesus is getting all the attention. And they're not getting any attention, right? That's, that's Palm Sunday. But you take that and you go all the way up into this upper room where we were last week. Jesus knows he's going to die. As a matter of fact, it says that he was grieved in his spirit. I mean, like, like he's feeling it now. That for, we have to understand, Jesus was God, yet he was fully human at the same time. I don't know how. It's a mystery to me. And, and if you figure it out and can describe it real well, you, you praise God. I, I can't. I'm just like, it's mind-boggling to me that God would come down in, in, as man to die for our sins. And so Jesus, as a man, feels all this stuff, and he washes their feet. And then comes one of the most bizarre stories you'll ever read in the Bible. So they're, they're, they're at the meal, and you have to understand kind of the culture of the day. They didn't sit in chairs. I don't know if you ever saw Passion of the Christ where Jesus makes a chair, and he's like, I think people are going to like this. So, you know, it was a funny, like the only funny scene in Passion of the Christ. Uh, it, everything else was horrible. But, uh, but so, so they, didn't, they didn't have chairs. And so the table would be down, and they would all recline around the table, and they'd eat and talk. And, and again, the culture was totally different than American culture, all right? So Jesus was lying, and John was lying kind of on Jesus. Now, if you came over to dinner at my house and you were sitting there and, and, and we started eating and I kind of scooted my chair up to you and I just kind of like put my uh, head, you know, like on your shoulder, on your chest, whatever, you'd freak out, okay? Right? I mean, could you imagine? You're just like, dude, get off me. Like, you know, it's like, it's like that's our American culture, right? But in this particular culture, you know, that's why you read in the Bible, greet one another with a holy kiss and, you know, in this culture, we're like, you know, either we're like, or we're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, and it's like, no, either boundaries. So, and so, so he, Jesus is lying down. John is lying down on Jesus. And, and they want to find, Jesus says, you know what? One of you is going to betray me. Now, Peter is reclining around this table too. And when you read the text, Peter says to John, hey, find out who he's talking about. So John, who's kicking back on Jesus, right? He says, Jesus, who, who is it going to be? And Jesus says this unbelievable statement right here that is so clear. You just can't get any clearer than this. Jesus answered, it is the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So, I mean, okay. Like, there's no question about this. So John, so Peter says to John, hey, John, find out who it is. John says, hey, Jesus, you know, don't 
drop any crumbs in my hair, you know, but tell me who it is. Jesus says, it's the one I'm about ready to dip, uh, uh, dip this in. Uh, and so, um, and he gives Judas the bread. Very easy, very clear. It's the one I'm going to, to right, right? And he gives it to, to, to Judas. And then Jesus does something. T- Again, you got to think, start thinking in the terms of what a loving God would do. If I were ratting out Jesus, I would have gone, it's Judas. <laughs> and let me tell you why with those beady eyes, and I've never trusted him. And you know, and I'd start going through all the ways Judas and when I knew that he was the one and all this. And you know what, guys? He gave me up for 30 pieces of silver. Can you believe that? And he he could just completely rat out Jesus. You know what he does with Judas? He gives him the thing and he says, hey, what you need to do, go, go and do quickly. And all of a sudden, Everyone's like, oh, it's the one he's going to dip the bread into. Oh, wait, no, they're talking about something totally different right now. Jesus doesn't rat out Judas. Now, you can figure, try to figure that out all you want. I'm speculating, but as we begin to go through what we're going to go through this morning on love, I think we're going to see there's a common theme here. Jesus kind of lets Judas off the hook, and nobody knows, it says. As a matter of fact, uh, it says, uh, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him, which is bad. Um, all right. And he says, what you're about to do, uh, do quickly, Jesus told him. And no one knew. Again, if it were me, I've been wounded before. I have this deep seated, maybe you do too, this deep seated need to let everybody know how I've been rejected. (laughs) Maybe I can go a little while, but I notice in me bubbling up, if if I've been hurt, wounded, or whatever, there's this deep-seated need to kind of just, maybe it starts off as a little joke, a little passing comment. And again, I know you're all looking at me like, why do we even come and listen to a guy who struggles with this? I'm just telling you, I do. But Jesus, who's being betrayed to death, kind of skirts around the issue. Hey, go, whatever you need to do, go do, go do quickly. And nobody knows okay so here's what he says then satan enters judas again bad okay and and judas takes off and it says and then it was night okay now judas has left to go betray jesus watch what watch what jesus says he says my children i will be with you only a little longer you will look for me and just as i told the jews so i tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. Jesus is beginning to say, look, my, this, this term, uh, my children, or if you have uh, New American Standard, it's little children. It would be like if you were Hispanic, it would be like mijo, right? It would be like, my, hey, listen, God. Like, it's so important to Jesus now. He, it, it would be like, um, I mean, you know, this is a terrible example, but if you found out you had a cancer, and you only had a couple weeks to live, and you brought your family, and you closed people, and you said, listen, I, I, you got to get this. I, I want you to know this very much. And, and in our families, we'd go, I want you to know I love you with all my heart. I want you to know, you know, that, man, you guys got to get, you know, I'm leaving. You got to take care of each other. 
As a father or as a mother, like, what would you be saying to your kids? And now, listen, this is where I keep, uh, the, you know, some petty cash, and you know, like you'd be telling them every, every little thing, like, and, and it'd be going through your mind. And for three chapters, Jesus goes. I mean, read it. He like says, "My little children, mijo, ch- listen to this, okay?" And 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 uh, and he just starts. And this is the thing he starts out with: a new command I give to you. Love one another. Very first thing off his lips. It would be the first thing off of your lips, right? If, if, if you were with your family and you knew something tragic, again, I'm not trying to depress you, but think about it. You know something, the first thing you'd say, look, I, guys, you guys are gonna need to take care of each other. Maybe you'd, you'd talk differently to each kid or you'd have a different thing. He says, guys, guys, listen to me. A new command I'm giving you. Love each other love each other and then he qualifies it with the most annoying qualification because if he had just left it there we could kind of define our own love right it's like oh yeah no i i you know i show up at church on time or i mean whatever but you know we could define it but but jesus says just as well it says here as i have loved you so you must love one another now imagine what's going through their mind how did he just love judas who betrayed him let him off the hook now, again, you can make the argument that, well, he, he blinded the minds of them because they would have killed Judas. And whatever. Jesus could have stopped them. But he, you know, he's Jesus for crying out loud, right? He lets Judas off the hook. I think, think about this. Think about how he, think about Nathaniel. Nathaniel comes to him from the very beginning. Nathaniel comes, says under the trees, like, just like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus is like, dude, you just, you just made fun of my, like my whole town. But you know what? Come follow me. Come on. Matthew, who's a tax collector, hated by everybody. Jesus pulls him out, picks him out. James and John, the sons of thunder that were constantly arguing about, Jesus just kept loving them and loving them and loving them. Listen to this. It says, Jesus loved the one who betrayed him. You understand that? Jesus loved Judas. Now, he didn't approve of what he was doing, you know. I mean, he, he, you know, there's all, all this kind of stuff. I'm sure he didn't appreciate Satan entering Judas, right? Okay. But Jesus loved Judas. And Jesus says to us, a new command I give to you, church. Love each other. How? Exactly like I loved you. Now watch, he, he goes on. And this is just an incredible statement as we're talking about the list. Check this out. He says, by this... All men will know that you are my disciples if you love each other. Listen, the best witness of the church is our love for each other. Now, brotherly kindness, the one before that, was kind of how we serve each other. This takes it to a whole new level. It's by this love that the world's going to know that we're his what? disciples, not a church, not a religion, not a, 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 not Christians. He didn't even use the word Christians. Disciples by this love. That's an incredible statement. Now listen, when we think about the list, we think, well, what about our goodness? Like, I would think they'd know we're, we're disciples of Jesus because we're good, right? Now, that's not what he says. Well, what, what about our knowledge? Okay, the ability to argue. What about the ability to, uh, you know, present our case for Christ? I mean, I didn't, nope, that's not it. What about our, our self-control? That, that, that'll do it. Nope. Perseverance? Nope. Godliness? Nope. Brotherly kindness? You're getting close? No. 
love. It's almost like Jesus is saying, if you don't have love, you can forget the list. (laughs) It doesn't matter. All those things are being done for an entirely different reason than what I'm interested in. By this, by this, all men will know. You cannot stop a loving church. It's impossible. And so when, when Jesus gets those disciples together, he goes, look, my children, guys, listen to me, listen to me. A new commandment I'm giving you. Love each other. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love each other. Now, uh, let, me just give you the, let me just give you kind of our, our main point this morning. Without love, it's just religion. I mean, without love, the goodness, self-control, perseverance, it's all just religion. It's all just head knowledge. It's like, a cl- it's like, it's like, it's like we're in the Salvation Army or something. Or the Red Cross. Without love, without this ability to, and we'll, we'll define it even a little bit more. It's just religion. It's just a list. A new command. Love each other. This is how they're going to know. Otherwise, it's not my, being my disciple. Love is the most important thing. I, I have this example of what we all can become um, very easily. Uh, and and it's a it's a symbol of 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 what we can be, and so in a, in a just a few verses I'll unveil it for us, um, but it kind of gives this whole idea of without love, it's just religion. Okay, so Jesus, two chapters later. Okay, so we're, Jesus is still talking. <laughs> Just like you would if you knew you were going to die, right? He's like, oh, and then, you know, make sure that, you know, the site, you know, you put a double rent cycle when you're washing. You know, it's like he's just going on and on and on and on. Two chapters later, watch what he says. This is my commandment. <laughs> Again, that you love one another. Well, how, Jesus? I'm going to qualify it again, just as I've loved you. Now, go back and read your Bible. If you want to know how to live in a community of disciples, go back and read your Bible and just, just read Jesus. Get to know Jesus. This is why throughout the whole list, I don't know if you've noticed, but everything in that list has been about Jesus. Right? We're, we're goodness, because Christ was obedient unto death. Like, obe- being obedient matters. Jesus was obedient. Knowledge. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I, mean, I, want, to get to, I want to know Jesus. And we just kept going on and on and on. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And then he says this, another qualifier. Oh, so annoying. Greater love is no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Now we're starting to get a deeper meaning of what it means to love each other. That we actually begin to lay our own lives down for each other. Now, as the church grows, it's kind of hard to keep track of everybody and kind of hard to, so so how do we do that? I mean, how do we truly, what's going to happen naturally is that you will get into small groups, whether you have small groups or you don't have small groups, you will begin to get into small groups. You'll begin to coagulate in those groups. It is vitally, vitally, vitally important that you learn how to lay down your life for each other. See, if I, if I don't do what I do out of love, it's just a job, right? You read the Bible. I mean, well, and how hard is it? You preach, you work four hours on Sunday. How, how difficult can that be? If I don't do it out of love, it's just a job. What I do is just a job. If these guys up here, 
don't do what they do out of love, they're just a band. If we as a church don't do it out of love, we're just a, we're just a club. If your small group doesn't do it out of love, it's just, a, it's just bunko, really, right? It's just to get together and, you know, whatever. We're a b- group of friends. You're just a click. But if we do have love, oh, man, there's no... There's no stopping us. If we can get this down, this command, and, and again, in, in verse 17, this, I command you, you love one another, command, 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 qualification, 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 just like you did, just like I did it, just like I did it, just like I did it. His last words to his disciples. Now, I want to talk about um, a few decades later from this point. I want you to kind of hold, hold that thought of Jesus talking to his disciples. Now we're a few decades uh, later and Paul is trying to get his churches, the ones he's planted, to figure this out. And there was a church in Corinth and if you, you can read the whole book of First and Second Corinthians and you can narrow the whole thing down to they weren't loving each other. They were making it all about themselves. They were taking communion, which we're going to do in a, in a bit. And, and they'd show up and they were getting drunk and it was like all, all this nonsense and they weren't looking out for anyone. And the poor didn't have anything to eat and the rich just you know, would bring in like this, you know, it's, it's like going to a potluck, but you, you eat your own food. And so like somebody brings in, you know, Kentucky, a bucket of Kentucky fried chicken and you like wheel in like filet mignon and all this kind of stuff. And you put out the nice table, you know, the tablecloth and all this kind of stuff. This is what was happening. To them. They weren't loving each other. They were making it all about themselves. So what Paul does is he writes this chapter that we call the love chapter, right? The chapter of love. And so and where you normally hear this chapter is at a wedding. I, I did a wedding last night, but I didn't do this because I was going to preach on it and I probably would have gone too long. But, but, but typically we read this love chapter. And the reason we do it at a wedding, hear me, is super important. The reason we do it at a wedding is because a marriage seems to be about the only relationship that's really worth all the effort. <laughs> like all of chapter 13, I mean, I, like at least we can agree that we're supposed to do that as a married couple, right? Like love is patient, it's kind, yeah, 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 yeah. But guess what? Paul wasn't doing a wedding service when he wrote this. He wasn't writing to a marriage seminar. He was writing to a church. And so everything you hear and you go, yep, 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 has to do with us as a church. You as your small group, a a community of believers. The the way they're gonna know we are followers of Jesus Christ is that we love each other exactly like he loved us. We did this a little bit with brotherly kindness when we said we'd serve each other like Christ would serve us. So Paul says this, this incredible statement. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, we've switched to NASB, by the way, on this one, just in case you start freaking out. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. So I told you this was a symbol and I meant it. It's a symbol with a C, not an S. Okay. And so Paul, Paul is saying this, okay. No matter what my strengths are, you might be able to name your strength finder strengths, no matter what your gifts are, no matter what your position is, if you're the the senior pastor, if you don't have love, it goes the opposite way. You're, You're essentially 
Ugh, this. <laughs> Hurts your ears, doesn't it? Man, well, it hurt mine. <laughs> I'm right next to it. So, so, so he's saying, look, look, let's go back over the list. You have all the goodness. You, you, like, you got the goodness down? Like, you really, I mean, you got it down. If, you don't, if you're not doing it out of love, this is what your goodness sounds like. If you've got self-control and you've got perseverance and you've got godliness or whatever, Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, this is what I sound like. And it doesn't take much to be annoying. You know what I mean? Have you noticed that? I mean, even, even that, well, it's a, it's a cheap symbol anyway, which, which most unloving people are. But uh, like when I am, when I am not loving, I, and believe me, I've preached sermons that, that were not loving, Okay. I've had meetings with members of the congregation that were not loving. And I'm passionate about it. You know what God says it is? That's what it sounds like. And so Paul says this great. And then he goes like this. If I have the gift, it's like, okay, he hasn't made his point enough. Paul, what Paul's trying to say here, it, it doesn't matter how great your spiritual gift is. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I have all knowledge and I know all mysteries and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, like, 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 okay, the gift of tongues, you know, you could make the argument, blah, blah, we, our denomination believes all those gifts are for today, but you know, tongues, he says, no, 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 prophecy, knowledge, know all mysteries of faith to move mountains. I'm nothing. Without love. Nothing. If we don't have love, it's just a religion. If Christ isn't it for us, if he's not fueling us, if we're not becoming like him, it's just symbol after symbol after symbol. While I, you know, have this, when I do this, right, some of you are like, ah, right? Because it's like, and, 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 we, and we've all been that person, where we walk into the room and they just know it's not out of love. And it's like, oh no, what's going to come? Christ calls us to so much more. Listen to, listen to what he says here. Oh, and then he goes on. He says, if I, if I um, give all my possessions to the poor and I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Can you imagine delivering your body over to be burned and I'll all come to find out it didn't do you any good? Now, that would be a bummer, right? This is the point Paul's saying. Guys, if we don't get this love thing down, if we don't get it to where we're... So, so then Paul, after he says, if you don't have it, close up shop, essentially. <laughs> like, but wait a minute, I have the gift of prophecy. Clang, clang, clang. You know, it's, like, it's like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your strengths are. It doesn't matter what your spiritual gifts are. We do a class called 201 where we discover our strengths, we discover our gifts, we find out our shape, you know, uh, our spiritual gifts, our, you know, our personality, all this kind of stuff. If it doesn't flow out of love, it makes no difference. And then Paul goes into this uh, kind of famous uh, section of scripture that I'm going to read without it being behind us. Uh, and I just want you to kind of think about all these things that love marks, like what, 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 what it is. It says, love is patient. Ugh, right? Oof. I, I, I lost. <laughs> okay, well, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. 
It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. This is how Paul sets this up. And, and, and when we read that at a wedding, we all go, yep. Oh, man, man, imagine, imagine what that relationship, man, that, the couple as they stand there and they're crying and the groomsman faints because he locked his knees. Like the whole like, thing, like we go, this is, we almost want to sit to that, to that, to that, those couple and go, man, if they got this down, their marriage would be unstoppable. Can you imagine a marriage that they're just both super patient with each other? Really kind, not jealous. They don't brag. They're not arrogant. They don't act unbecomingly. They don't seek their own. They're not provoked. They don't take into account a wrong suffered. Like, hey, I'm really sorry I did that yesterday. You did what? I don't care, whatever. They don't rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoice in the truth. Imagine that marriage, right? That's why we read it at a a wedding. Imagine a church that bought into this. Because remember, that's who Paul was writing to. He's writing to a church in Corinth with real people, with real spiritual gifts. I'm going to show you in a minute. He doesn't just say throw it all out. So I wrote out the verses like this. And, and, and again, for you scholars, don't, 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 don't be hating. I, I realize it doesn't say this. The church is patient. The church is kind and is not jealous. The church doesn't brag and is not arrogant. The church does not act unbecomingly, does not seek its own. It is not provoked does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. The church bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. A loving church never fails. (laughs) Now, I know it doesn't say that. But but Paul's saying, look, no matter what you do, I, I, this, this particular staff meeting we had on Friday, we were so excited about all the things that are going on. We, we got this thing coming in the summer of going through Francis Chan's book, Love Wins. And we were talking about barbecues and kids and groups and just, you know, it, it was just awesome. And then we started talking about our, our Be the Church campaign again this summer where we, we, we ditch church and we go and we're working with the city of Garden Grove to get some stuff done. We we're just like so excited. If we don't do this stuff out of love, it, it doesn't do us any good. But if we're a church that's patient and that love just allows us to be patient, allows us to be kind not jealous, we're not fighting for position, we're not fighting for our particular ministry, we don't brag. We're not arrogant. We don't act unbecomingly. We don't seek our own. We're not provoked. We don't take into account a wrong suffered. We don't en- rejoice in unrighteousness, but we rejoice with the truth. We bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, and endure all things. A loving church never fails. Let me, let me show you this one right here. 
He says, because I, I want to get back to this. And, but now faith, hope, and love abide in these three. In other words, remain in these three. Let, like soak in these three, okay? And then we know this, it's a famous verse, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, see, Paul, the, the Bible's divided up into chapters and verses way, hundreds of years later, okay? Paul didn't do that. And so what happens with the love chapter is that we end at the chapter. And so we, at the, at the, at the wedding, we'd go, you know, the greatest of these is love. And I'm going, oh yeah, man, oh wow. Yeah, you know, we, you know what, what if? What if we were a church that was marked by that? Man, they're really patient. Oh, they're super kind. They're not jealous or arrogant. They don't take into account a wrong suffer. They rejoice in righteousness. I mean, I mean, imagine that church. What if we were that church? So, so Paul, you know, we, we end the chapter there, but Paul has two more words in the New American Standard Version that are the point. He, he, he doesn't just stop there. The greatest of these is love. Have a nice day. He, he goes on and he says this. Pursue love. It ain't just going to come to you. That, that, that Greek word is such a rich word. It means to persecute it. In other words, you hunt it down. You look for it. You kick open the doors to find out if it's hiding somewhere. You celebrate it. You bring it out into the open. It's, it's the word, it, 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 it literally means to persecute it. You're looking for love, you know, looking for love in all the, no, sorry. You're looking for it. And, and so the beginning is that, is that, how do we do this as a church? We begin to pursue it. We begin to celebrate it. We begin to go after it. We begin to go, man, this small group right here, that's it. This is what we should be doing. As a staff, as a board, I mean, I, I am so blessed. I, am, I can't tell you how blessed I am to be on the staff here with these people and to be with the board with those people. They model it. They get it. Now, it doesn't mean everything's all rosy, right? We're passionate people. That's why we're in those positions. And so we, we go after it. But at the end of the day, it's just like, hey, man, we, this is about the kingdom, we want, to find, we want to find out where it's happening and, to, and pursue it. And then he goes on, and you can see this, yet desire earnestly the spiritual gifts. Like, I know I just mocked all the spiritual gifts before and said, oh, and, and he said some other things too. He said, you know, if there's prophecy, it'll be done away with. You know, this is going to stop. You know, I, I, I used to reason as a child, think as a child. You know, I put away all those things. Like, he, he, he kind of goes on, but then he says, essentially, pursue love. And then go after those spiritual gifts. Now discover your strengths in love. And watch what you can do for the kingdom of God. Take those spiritual gifts in love. And, 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 and then, then when you move the mountain, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean something. Otherwise, it's just religion. It's almost like the list, once it hits the love part, says, okay, let's go around, let's go around one more time. Like now, that, now that you've got more love, let's go around to the goodness and the self-control and the perseverance and all that. And then, and then is it all done in love? Yeah, oh man, we're growing in love. Let, let's go around one more time. 